what you have done. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. Thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do. Lord, be magnified in Jesus' name. Father, we commit the rest of this service into your hands. Take control. Father, have your way. Father, touch lives, save souls. Perfect that which you have started. You take all the glory. Let all the blessings be ours. And let the blessings of this day be permanent. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord, for we are praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's have our seats. Let's have our seats. We are welcome in Jesus' name. We are all welcome in Jesus' name. And let's open our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. 1 Kings 8, 23 and 24. Amen. Amen. And he said, are we there? It's on the screen. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath, who keepeth covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. Verse 24. Who has kept with thy servant David my father, that thou promised him. Thou spoke also with thy mouth and hast fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last week we started looking at a topic uh, we call the God of Heaven. And we read from the book of uh, Psalms chapter 136, the last verse that says, Oh, give thanks unto whom? The God of Heaven. For his mercies endured forever. And so we, uh, we began to ask ourselves, who is this God of Heaven? And we said, number one, he is the one that made the heaven and the earth. Not just that he made. He's the owner. Very important. He's what? The owner, the owner of heaven and earth. And that implies that he the Bible says the earth is the Lord and what? And the, the world and they, they are where they are in. So he doesn't just own the earth. He owns you and I. Tell somebody he owns me. He owns That's very important. And if he owns you, you know that the Bible says he that touches you does what? Touches the apple of his eyes. If he owns you, he will keep you, he will protect you, and will guide you. Then we say he's a God that keeps covenant. He enforces covenant. And then the third thing we said is that he's a helper. And I know God has been helping someone. And he's going to help you in Jesus' name. You know, when he begins to help you, at times you don't see any help in what he's doing. In fact, you want to quarrel with him. It's like the man that went to our general overseer and said, Daddy, I want to sponsor the convention. And the Jew prayed for him that the Lord would bless you to do what? To sponsor the convention. This was in Nigeria. And the following week, what happened? They sacked him in his place of work. And the man came back and said, Daddy, I told you to pray for me. I want to sponsor the convention. And what has happened? They sacked, how can I sponsor the convention when I've been sacked? And Daddy said he laughed. You want to sponsor the convention with what? With salary? You cannot sponsor the convention with your salary. If you are going to sponsor the convention, you are going to be an employer of labor yourself. Amen. And that's the word of God to someone here today. The, 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 the beauty that God is preparing for you will not be attained by you working for others, but by you doing what? Somebody does not believe me. God will make you an employer of labor. Amen. 
Men will work for you. Amen. You will demonstrate the beauty of the Lord. Amen. It doesn't mean that you are because you are working now for someone, something is wrong with you. No. But you must realize that it's a journey. Tell somebody it's a journey. And the Lord might have been speaking to you that, that you are getting there. You are getting there. It's time for you to actualize the vision I gave unto you. Amen. You will not fail God. Amen. Because, brethren, God has never failed anyone. So we said he's a helper. Whatever help you need, receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the fourth thing we want to talk about, most likely the only one we're going to talk about today is that the God of heaven is the incomparable God. He is what? What does that mean? He is the incomparable God. You cannot compare anyone to him, and you cannot compare him to anyone. In the passage that we have read, it said, There is no God like thee. It's as simple as that. There's a song we sing that says, All other gods, they are what? They are the works of men. You are the only one. You are the only God. There is none like you. The God of heaven is the incomparable God. And in the passage that we read, we are made to understand that he does three things. He keeps covenant, which we talked about last week. Then he keeps mercy with those that serve him wholeheartedly. He keeps what? With those that serve him wholeheartedly. And brethren, every man, every woman, every person needs what? Mercy. Mercy. You will obtain mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. The only thing the Bible is telling us here is that his mercy is reserved for those that serve him wholeheartedly. He's a God of grace. We could be serving him in our own way and not serving him in the way he desires. And he's just giving us what they call a long rope. But if you are going to enter into the fullness of God's plan and purpose for your life, you need to serve him wholeheartedly. And then the third thing we noted there is that in the passage we read, he fulfills promises. He does what? When God, you know, this is related to when we talk about being a covenant-keeping God. When God makes a covenant with you, most of what will be done to fulfill that covenant will be done by who? By God. All he requires of you is be obedient. Look at the case of Isaac. Isaac, there was famine in the land. Isaac looked for an easy way out. And the easy way out was for him to go to where? Egypt. But God met him. God will meet you today. Amen. I said, God will meet you today. Amen. God met him and said, go not into Egypt. Stay where you are. It did not make sense. What did Isaac do? He stayed where he was. And he didn't just stay. He obeyed God. You know, we all know the passage. We all know verse 12 of, of that passage that says, and Isaac sold in the land and he lived a hundredfold. But he stayed in it. He did that which did not make any sense. The, there was famine in the land. He had the few seeds that he had that maybe they could eat for two or three days. <laughs> he, decided to, he decided to sow. And God met him. God will meet you. Amen. I said God will meet you. He fulfills promises. At the end of the day, Isaac became a testimony. You know, like the song that required, uh, gave to us, see what the Lord has done. He still desires to, to do something. 
But are you a vessel that is willing and available for God to do something in your life? Will God find you a willing vessel for him to do what he wants to do? That's very important. God cannot be compared to any work of man. God's ways cannot be compared to the philosophy of man. God's activities cannot be compared to the way that men will do things. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, from verse 17 to verse 20, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 17 to 20, the Bible says, All nations before him are what? As nothing. And they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. Then look at verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? And then he gave us a very simple example. And that's an example of the wisdom of man. The workman melted a graven image. The goldsmith spread it over with gold and casted silver with chains. He that is so impoverished, he had no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. That's the wisdom of man. The things we prepare with our hands, we put it together and say, ah, this one must be a God. I know one of the things we learn when we study what is called, uh, what? In the school of deliverance, let me put it that way. When you create an object and you deify it, you make it what you are going to be worshipping. What happens? A spirit comes and puts a stamp of acceptance on what you have done. And so you begin to relate with demons. You begin to relate with contrary spirits and say, oh yes, so there's power in it. Why? Because you've made up your mind that the object of your heart is what you are going to worship. The Lord will set you free in Jesus' name. Amen. God cannot be compared to any handwork of man, brethren. That's very important. You cannot compare to anything that God has made. We are talking about the incomparable God. Incomparable God. The God of heaven is incomparable. Destiny is in the hands of this incomparable God. What's in his hands? That's very important. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 20, 21 to 24. Isaiah 40, 21 to 24. Isaiah 40, 21. The Bible says, Have ye not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are as what? Grasshoppers. He stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. He bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as what? Vanity. Yeah. They shall not be planted. They shall not be sown. Their stuff shall not take root in the earth. He shall blow upon them. They shall wither and the whirlwind shall tear them away as what? As trouble. Those are the men that are glorified by men, if that makes sense. The ones we look upon that, oh, look, brethren, once upon a time, a man lived by name Solomon. 
He was accounted what? The wisest man that lived. Where is Solomon today? You, do you know where he is? Anybody met Solomon yesterday? As wise as he was, the queen of Sheba came and said, Wow, what I see here, I was not told up to half of what obtains here. Your men are happy. I mean, this is opulence. This, that has gone beyond wealth. When a man makes silver like sand, is that not so? If, they, if somebody comes out and gives each of us a, is it pound? No, let, let's say a pound of silver. Uh, I'm sure everybody that gets it is made. Is that not so? That is real money. The Bible says Solomon made silver like sand in, this, in, this, uh, in Jerusalem. Where is Solomon today? All the silver that was like sand in Jerusalem, where is it today? Not in this Jerusalem that we know. Where they are cleaning themselves every day. It tells you the limitation of man. But you know what? Your destiny. Tell somebody my destiny. Is in his hands. This incomparable God is a God in whose hands are destinies. You know, Jesus told a parable of that rich man. He had a wonderful farm. He farmed, his farm brought out produce. He harvested his produce and said, Oh, my barn is too small. I need a bigger barn. Oh, I know what I will do. That's what many of us say. We say, I know what I will do. We leave God apart. I will pull down this barn. I will make a bigger barn. Then I, I will put all the produce in the barn. Then I will say to my soul, Well done. You've done a good job. The harvest is perfect. You don't need to work for next year or for years to come, like many of us are comfortable in our, in our retirement benefit. But what happened that night? The man received a visitation. I said, tonight, your soul is required of thee. Whose shall those things be? Whose shall those things be? If the Lord will visit you tonight, what will be his, what, what will he say concerning us? Destiny is in his hands. It's very important. We know the story of David. David, the day, I mean, in 1 Samuel, I believe chapter 16, the day that Samuel visited the house of Jesse, the father of David, and said, bring your children. The Lord has sent you to anoint one of your children as king in Israel. The old man of God said, bring all your children. The man had seven sons. How many did he bring? He brought, I mean, the man had eight sons. How many did he bring? He brought seven. Bring all your sons. And of course, Samuel was almost deceived. He looked at uh, Eliab and said, surely the anointed of the Lord is before me. God said, no, I have rejected him. God will not reject you. Amen. I said, God will not reject you. Amen. And so all the others were brought before and Samuel said, ah, I know God sent me here. God said, one of your sons is the next king. Are you sure these are all your children? Ah, I remember now. There's one on the field. He kept the sheep. In other words, even his father did not believe in his destiny. We are not told anything about his mother. But he did not change the plan of God. <laughs> Samuel says, send for him. 
We are all, not, nobody will sit down until he comes. The incomparable God we are talking about, destiny is in his hands. If your destiny will be fulfilled, you must allow him to do what God alone can do. When Samuel said, I, I, I want, I mean not Samuel, when Saul said, I want to give uh, David my daughter. I want David to become my, my daughter-in-law. David did not know. Sorry, I'm mixing uh, this English language now. I want David to be what? My son-in-law. David did not know that what Samuel was planning, I mean what Saul was planning was to do what? To kill him. He said the dowry is 104 skins of the, of the Philistines. Because he thought if David goes to fight with Philistines, uh, by the time he kills 100, what would have happened? They would have killed him. And David surprised him. When David went, how many did he kill? He killed 200. Why? Saul did not realize that the destiny of David was not in the hand of Saul. Whose hand was it in? In the hand of God. And that is why David could go to all the perils. And yet, he came out with a testimony. See what the Lord has done. See how the Lord has elevated me beyond the antics and the works of the enemy. What of Joseph? We know the story of Joseph very well. Is that not so? Joseph with all his flaws. God made up his mind that the destiny of this boy must be fulfilled. But brethren, the journey to destiny for Joseph was not easy. Was it? In fact, when the process was going on from the age of 17 to the age of 30, how many years? 13 good years. I am very sure many of us will have said, God has abandoned me. Because rather than things getting better, what happened to Joseph? Things were getting worse every step of the way. First they threw him into a pit. Then he became a slave. Then he got to the house of Potiphar. And he thought, at least I can eat and sleep here. And the woman took interest in him. And from the house of Potiphar, he ended up in the prison. Every step of the way, things got worse. And the prison that Joseph was thrown into, the meaning of the king's prison is that whoever gets there does not come out alive. But the destiny of Joseph was in whose hands? Somebody is not sure. That's what my destiny is in God's hands. He's the incomparable God, brethren. There's no situation he cannot turn around. There's no situation he cannot use to his own benefit. There's no situation he cannot use to fulfill his purpose. And whatever you are in now, whatever that situation be in, just trust him. He's the incomparable God. Now, look, we mentioned two people, Joseph and David. Look at the story of their life. Did they all go through the same path? In fact, there is practically nothing comparable in the two of them. Is that not so? Yes. Joseph was being prepared for a position in government. He became the prime minister. David was being prepared for, to become the king. And the Bible makes us understand that when a brother Saul was still on the throne, what happened to David? He was anointed the king. And that was the beginning of his problems. Is that also? Yes, 
He had to run away from Saul. He became a man of the wilderness. He was running for his life. And ordinarily we would have said, I think God has finished with this man. Had God finished with him? You know that they say it is not over until it's not over. It doesn't take God anything for your destiny to be fulfilled. And I have a word for someone here today. Your destiny will be fulfilled. I say your destiny will be fulfilled. Destiny is in the hands of this incomparable God. Especially when it looks to you as if <laughs> this is the end. That's when it shows forth. The three Hebrew brethren. What else was left when they were going to do what? Throw them into the fire. Was there any other thing left? Have you seen any? At least before that time, was there any indication that people were thrown into fire and they did not die? No. It's like saying this is the end, no? In fact, I mean, we we'll have been saying, Lord Jesus, do what? I said my soul. Uh, which mercy? The man is going to the fire. The people that will throw them in were much more stronger and powerful than they were. And they threw them in. And humanly speaking, that was the end. But for those three Hebrew brethren, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what was it? It was the beginning. It was a point of fulfillment of destiny. It was a point at which the glory of God began to shine forth in their lives. The king was astonished. Just one day the king was astonished. God will give you a testimony. It will astonish the king. He said, we threw three men into the furnace. How come we are seeing how many? Four. And the appearance of the fourth one was like the appearance of who? The Son of God. How did you know anything about the Son of God? Three men were thrown in there. The Bible does not tell us that these three Hebrew brethren knew that there was a fourth one with them. The Bible doesn't tell us. But they knew that the rope is, I mean, has been burnt off. Why should we remain on the ground? I have a word for someone here today. The rope has been burnt. Stand up. Stop being on the ground. Whatever I was holding you down has what? It's been burnt off. It's time for you to stand up and, re and claim your destiny. It's time for you to stand up and walk into divine purpose. The rope that tied you down is consumed. Amen. So those three brethren stood up and they began to walk around. It's only our God that can turn a fiery burning furnace to an air-conditioned room. Hallelujah. What does that tell us? It's to simply a change of circumstances. A change of situation. As I round up, brethren, but I believe this is where the Lord wants you to stop on the issue of destiny. I remember the story that the general overseer shared about a, 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 a lady. She was, her husband was very wealthy and the husband died. And to the best of her knowledge and ability, when the bankers, you know, rich people, they have uh, rich debts, if you know what I mean. Eh? If a poor man has a debt of $1,000, I think he has a lot of debt. A rich man has a debt of $2 million. He doesn't even think about it. Because he believes that somehow, somehow he will do what? Either he will be servicing the debt or whatever. And we just, that's his money is very rich. 
The man died. And the debtors began to, from UK, began to contact this sister in Nigeria. I said, Madam, your husband owes the bank. And the debt he owes must what? It must be paid. Trouble came. She had her children. Now they are throwing liabilities at her. They told her that she had any assignment, any job she was doing. And then there was a Holy Ghost service or a program. And the general said, the Lord spoke to him and said that there's someone in the congregation. A miracle is coming your way. When that miracle comes, he told the, the person that the proceed from that miracle, give it to God. And God will transform your situation. He said, within the week, that woman came and said, Daddy, you said a miracle is coming. And she brought some money to And the Jew said, no, 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 it's not you. She uh, said, I know you are a widow. I know that the bankers are saying your husband owes them money. And you are, the, God has now given you this and you are coming to, no, I'm not taking it. The woman looked at the Jew and said, eh, so you don't like me. You don't want me to get my my miracle. I said, my, my sister, I know your situation. If God has given you, go and use it to take care of your children and maybe the woman gave him the money. And what did the Gio do? He kept it in the office. He kept the money apart. But the incomparable God began to move on, the, on behalf of this sister. What happened? He said, within the week, the bank in UK that wrote to her and said, your husband owes us money, wrote to her and said, we are sorry, madam. Your husband does not owe us money. In fact, we have got some deposits in the account you have in England. Now, this is not hearsay. This is true life situation as told by the general here. Because the woman decided to go where the father had destiny is in whose hands? Is in the hands of the incomparable God who does his things, not the way that men do things. The God that can decide to move the mountain. The God that can decide to submerge the mountain. The God that will move on your behalf. A young lady went to church and they said, You can, you know what the Bible says, you can sail to this mountain. Be thou removed. And there's a mountain at the back of their house. Very big mountain. She said, well, she be they say in church, you can see onto this mountain. Be thou removed. If pastor said it, she went to the mountain and said, mountain, do what? Be thou removed. Uh, of course, tell me, does it make sense? Uh, tell me, does it make sense? Brethren, the things of God don't make sense. That's why he's God. She went and said, mountain, be thou removed. <laughs> Within three days, she saw bulldozers and all those. They came with dynamite. And they began to break through that mountain. Why? They were trying to create a road through that place. You, you can say whatever you like. Say it is coincidence. Say it is anything. The lady prayed and God had a prayer. Are you going to pray? Are you going to pray? God is ready to hear your prayer. Let's rise on our feet. 
Let us begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. Begin to thank God this, this morning. Begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. Don't limit him. Your destiny is in his hand. Your future is in his hand. What is that impossible situation you brought to church today? God wants to give you a, tes a testimony this week. Amen. He wants to give you a testimony this week. Why don't you open your heart and say, Lord, I come before you. I come before you and before no man. Hey, My destiny is in your hand. This is the area I want you to intervene. Tell him, tell him, tell him. He's here for you this morning. This is that area. I want you to intervene. Yes, Lord. Intervene and give me my own testimony. He wants to do it for you. He wants to give you a testimony. He wants you to come back here and say, see what the Lord has done. Oh, cry to the living God. Talk to him this morning. You are not talking to man. You are not talking to a friend. You are not talking to a committee, not your native man. You are talking to the incomparable God. The God that makes the world that is no way. Maze kaliba ushkatelia andragabo. Rekete irosotole ana itragabo. Mama shatari andragabo. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mazerebo shekrima katola itragabundoria. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Mahika pori matotolena itregebo. Ah, rebo skalianda itragabo. In Jesus' name we are praying. You say, Father, renew my strength. Open your mouth and pray. Say, renew my strength, O Lord. I maybe you are about to give up. Oh, maybe you thought it was impossible. Maybe it looks too difficult for you. Say, Lord, renew my strength. Renew my strength, O Lord. Renew my strength, O Lord. Renew my strength, O Lord. Yeriba sotole endragabo. Mama sheke tele enda itragabo. Renew my strength, O Lord. Renew my strength, O Lord. In Jesus' name we are praying. We all know Isaiah chapter 40. He says, even you shall faint. That's from verse 30. And be wary. The young men shall utterly fall. But look at verse 31. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk. You are going to pray that and say, Father, Father, renew my strength. Renew my strength, O Lord. In the name of Jesus. Renew my strength, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, renew my strength. Renew my strength, O Lord. Ah, Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we are praying. Finally, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You are going to say, Father, Father. reveal your glory in who? 
Somebody is not sure. Say, Father, reveal your glory in me, in my life, in my family, in my ministry, in my finances, in my place of war, in all that concerns me. Reveal your glory, Lord. Reveal your glory, Lord. Reveal your glory, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord, reveal your glory. Reveal your glory, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. Reveal your glory in me. Reveal your glory in my life. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. For adventure, you have listened to this message. You have prayed with us, but you are not born again. <laughs> All that we are talking about are benefits for the children of God. If you are watching us online, you've not given your life to Christ, this is an opportunity. You are in house, you've not given your life to Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come before you this day. I know you are the incomparable God. Come into my life. Come in today. Come in to stay. Take hold of me. Establish me. Write my name in the book of life. And from this day onward, let me manifest divine glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen.